Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today we are back to continue our discussion on hormones, all things hormones. Today we're going to talk about supplements that may support hormonal health, and then we're going to talk more about progesterone and inovulatory cycles, as well as the importance of sleep. And then I'm going to give Brittany a pep talk. Peppy! A much-needed pep talk. As a reminder, all of the resources that we use to make this episode are on our website in 16years.com. And please also share a podcast if you love it. You can rate it in your podcast app. And if you'd like to support the hard work that goes into these episodes, you can also buy us a coffee. And the link to do so is on our website. All right, let's start with supplements. We're going to keep this section really short because, of course, we are not doctors and this isn't medical advice. And the things that we put in our body can affect us in different ways. So if you're interested in looking for supplements, We just really encourage you to research and talk to your doctor. And of course, it's always a really wise idea to actually test your hormones with a doctor so that you can actually know what is going on with your body and so that you're not just shooting in the dark and going, hmm, well, I think I have low testosterone, so I guess I'll take this herb and, you know, not really know what's going on. It it can waste your time. It can waste your money. It can waste your effort. It can be dangerous to your body. So... That's why we just want to say that there are supplements out there that may be able to help you in the situation that you're in, but we're not able to really go into detail about it because we don't know your individual situation. And we're not doctors, (laughs) although I would love to be a doctor. Oh, my God. Like, one day. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to name off some more popular supplements. So just to give some ideas. So fish oil might help with hot flashes. Some people have reported that it's helped with their hot flashes. So. That could be something to look into. Of course, fish oil is just sold. Like so many companies sell fish oil nowadays. So I think it's really, really vital to get high quality fish oil and to be really careful what you buy. I think in this case, you really get what you pay for. There are also International Fish Oil Standards, which is a program that tests and certifies fish oil brands to make sure that they have the quality, safety, and purity that they say. So definitely look that up before buying any fish oil. Another supplement is vitamin D, which is a precursor to estrogen and testosterone. Another one is magnesium, which it's involved in multiple functions in our bodies. It's one of the most essential minerals in our bodies, but many of us don't have enough of it, which is sad. And Amy and I actually both take magnesium. It helps a lot with our pre-period leg pain. Oh, yeah. And it helps on varying levels with sleep, but it's better than without. <laughs> so I'll give it credit. <laughs> Since we want to keep this supplement section short, 
wish us luck with that. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> we know do is us, short. That's not possible. But we're going to try. We linked an article in the show notes today from Laura Bryden's website. It's called Eight Ways That Magnesium Rescues Hormones. Rescue my hormones, magnesium. Please. Rescue them. And I'm it, hanging off of the Titanic <laughs> propeller. I need you to swoop in my with a helicopter. Did they have helicopters invented no, yet? No. No, they didn't have airplanes yet. No. Or did they? I don't think so. Yes. I'm not sure. They had um, zeppelins and hot air balloons. <laughs> mm, swoop in magnesium with on, your blimp. blimp. <laughs> and pick up this blimp from the hormone blow. I feel like a blimp right now. <laughs> Me too. And in both of her books, Dr. Bryden says that she prescribes magnesium for just about every condition affecting hormones. So we definitely encourage you to check out the article that we linked so you can see her right above the magnesium benefits as well as which types she recommends because there's different types of magnesium. So from her, we actually learned that magnesium glycinate is the easiest type of magnesium to absorb. And I was worried about starting magnesium because it's known as a natural laxative. <laughs> wow. And we don't, and I already have problems with that. <laughs> we don't need any more diarrhea. No. I think we need a natural unlaxative. Yeah. Need a little <laughs> bit of a binder. <laughs> but to be completely honest, this didn't affect that part. I didn't get diarrhea from taking this. I mean, everything else does. But this, I didn't have a noticed change in my bowel movements. So thank goodness magnesium for that. I also learned from her book that the body excretes magnesium when we're stressed in order to help our nervous system. For Amy and I, taking magnesium, there's definitely a marked improvement that we both noticed that was certainly real and not placebo. Brittany and I are now in the blimp, flying away, waving <laughs> away at our personal Titanic. <laughs> our hormone sinking Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> we can hear the violin playing, but it's getting softer and the softer. The estrogen playing the tuba. Farther the progesterone and... <laughs> playing the violin. Farther and farther away. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, hormone tannic. <laughs> Many people take maca roots or maca powder for helping their hormones. If you're interested, that's something that you can definitely research into, and there is information available on that for further learning. So maca is an endocrine adaptogen, and it's a root from Peru. So like a root from the ground, and it's from Peru. And maca is known for reducing menopause symptoms. Maca has also been called nature's Viagra. Okay. <laughs> so because oh it can help with libido. Oh. Right? It can help with your, well, some people, not all people. Again, oh, why not all people? Everybody. Uh, <laughs> not everybody. But it's helped some people with their libido. So actually, my naturopath put me... On makaru, something called feminescence, which you can find online, and there it's like makaru, specifically made for people who are. They have three different ones. If you're cycling, if you're in perimenopause, and if you're in menopause, and I began taking makaru, but oh my gosh, makaru does not work for me. I was so jittery, and I, I was say, it's too stimulating. Would be so, my guess. <laughs> Yeah, like alert. And actually, it really did increase my sex drive. Like, I just felt really like I wanted to have sex all day long, which was just really like. So it helped the libido, but it ruined everything else. It was also really <laughs> intrusive. I was like, okay, I need to stop thinking about sex. Like, like nobody asked you to be thinking about this right now. <laughs> could you, like, could you turn the drive down? <laughs> so, could you turn the jitters down, the libido down, please? <laughs> oh, and I had, I was having really intense migraines and oh. my mouth was dry and I started getting like rash on my face. And 
So the doctor was like, oh, let's lower the dose. So I lowered the dose and it was still happening, but to a lesser degree. And so in the end, after we were like, okay. This is not working for you. This makaroo, at least for that product, was not working. We were like, let's just not go down that path. I guess it was stimulating my HPA axis like too much. <laughs> Way too much in my case. Again, not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I told the naturopath all this. I was like, okay, these really weird symptoms are happening. And she said, you know, I've been working with people for over, I don't know how many years. I've been working with people my whole career. We put many patients on makaru, and hardly anyone ever reports the symptoms that you report to such a high degree on such a low dose. Like, I know. I'm so special. Thank you. Thank you. I'm because <laughs> s- of your genetic makeup. It's not your fault. Thank you. I'm so special. Don't stimulate my HPA access. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now I have a whole drawer of maca that I paid for that I, unfortunately, am not going to take. Okay, a few more. Like Mockroot, the herb Vitex, which is also known as Chasteberry, is a popular supplement which may help hormonal health in a variety of ways. Also, a vitamin B complex, or specific vitamin Bs, because there's B1, B6, B12, and others, they may help different issues around our hormones as well. I personally take vitamin B6 because it helps support progesterone which I think I've established that I'm low in by now. Really? (laughs) I don't think I've ever mentioned that before. I don't think so. And it lowers histamine, which I also think I've established that I'm high in. Oh, really? (laughs) I would have never guessed. It also helps decrease estrogen and helps if you have. Go ahead, Brittany. Tell us what you have. Let me guess. HPA axis dysregulation. A prize for Brittany. (laughs) The booby prize. (laughs) So I also love my vitamin B6, but I will point out that it's recommended not to take more than 50 milligrams per day because high doses of vitamin B6 can cause nerve damage. And no one wants that. Change one problem for another. Yeah, no thank you. We'll pass. And while, of course, there are many more supplements that can actually help with various aspects of our hormonal health, the last one we want to mention is zinc. Once more, we linked an article to Lara Bryden's website called Seven Ways Zinc Rescues Hormones. Zinc can help with PCOS. Oh, Brittany's <laughs> favorite. Period pain. Also everyone's favorite. favorite. <laughs> Inflammation, acne, vaginal dryness, mood, and other symptoms. So I actually take zinc myself to help with a bunch of my issues. Brittany has a lot of issues. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> In Lars' article, she recommends what types of zinc are best because just like with magnesium, there are different types of zinc. And she'll talk about which dose is safe and which is effective. However, while I found Laura Bryden's information on hormones helpful to understand the menstrual cycle, perimenopause, and menopause, I will say that I've seen misinformation about endometriosis on her website and socials. So take any of that information with a grain of salt. Having said that, though, some of her recommendations may be helpful for people to manage endometriosis symptoms, but not to suppress the disease, shrink the disease, or remove it. When she links to some studies on how X supplement can reduce lesions and other claims, it's important to know that these studies have design flaws. Remember that no matter what diet or lifestyle or herbs or supplements, etc., a person has or is taking, this cannot remove or shrink endometriosis, and the disease can still progress even if a person becomes asymptomatic. 
So we hope now that you have some ideas on ways to help with your own hormone tannic. (laughs) (laughs) I will not go down with this ship. (laughs) You're already going. I know. (laughs) So we do want to say about supplements that even if you eat a variety of nutrient-dense food, which would typically mean that you're getting a variety of vitamins and minerals, you may still find that taking a supplement like magnesium or vitamin B or zinc is helpful to you. And having said that, we also want to point out that supplements aren't everything. Supplements can be one piece of a larger puzzle to our overall health and hormonal health. It's there in the word, supplement. It adds to. Supplemental, see? I've never thought about that before. Yeah, it's just a supplement. It adds to other things that you're doing, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. Exactly. So having both a nutrient-dense diet, if possible, and then taking select supplements based on what you're deficient in will go a lot farther than just taking supplements to make up for a lack of nutrient-dense foods in your diet. So if you're going to start taking supplements, of course, work with your doctor. Do independent research and just know that you don't have to take everything. We named off a bunch of supplements in this section, but Brittany and I each only take a few and we take different ones based on our diet, our lifestyle, and our symptoms. I think a good goal with taking supplements is to get to a place where we don't need them anymore or where we need the least amount possible. When I was working with a naturopath, when my mass activation syndrome was at its worst, I was on a couple of supplements that she recommended. But the goal was to use them temporarily while I supported my body. And then within like 6 to 12 months, to no longer need them. And we were also very selective about what I went on. So I want to be clear that the point here of us listing supplements is not to say that you need to run out. And you need to take loads of supplements because you don't. But rather it's to say that sometimes supplements may help some people with supporting certain aspects of their health. And of course you need to work with your doctor on this. Supplements may interfere with the prescription medications that you're on. And additionally, the supplement industry is not regulated nearly as much as prescription drugs are. And so quality control for purity, strength, and ingredients of dietary supplements may be lacking with some companies. We just want to throw out a couple of random facts. And so first we want to say, like so many things that sleep is helpful for, is that sleep is so, so, so important to our hormones and, of course, to our overall health. And the value of sleep just really should not be underrated. I don't think any of us in this podcast are underrating sleep. Like we're all desperate to sleep. We're like, we haven't slept in years, decades, perhaps. Centuries feels like, doesn't it? Immortal. (laughs) But still need sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Immortal at falling apart from the lack of sleep. But, you know, we all know that sleep can be really, really hard to do if we have cortisol dysregulation, if we have stress, if we have hormone problems. So the irony of needing good sleep to improve how we feel, but then not being able to sleep because of how we feel with our health problems, yeah, pretty ironic. And that has not gone past us as two people who are suffering immensely 
with sleep problems. <laughs> Insomnia is Brittany's best friend. I thought I was your best friend. I'm sorry, but if you want to kick Insomnia out, then you can reclaim the title. But currently, <laughs> I spend the most time with Insomnia, so that's why it moved up. And I never ever had insomnia in my life. Like, sure, I had trouble sleeping at times when I had fibro pain or endo pain or my period. But, like, generally, I was a really amazing sleeper. Amazing. Like, yeah, that so might amazing. be the other reason why we're not best friends anymore <laughs> because she used to tell me all the time how great of a sleeper you I'm are. like, oh, I got the best sleep and I still feel like crap when I wake up. Now she's getting a taste of my medicine. Now I have a taste <laughs> of Brittany's insomnia. By taste, I mean I haven't slept in, like, two years because after I lost my ovary, my hormones were like, wee, we don't know how to sleep again. <laughs> My body is like, great. We love being awake. Unfortunately, she came over to the dark side. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Well, the bright side because you can't ever fall asleep. So it just keeps you awake, you know, the light. And then you're just like. a double whammy one-two punch that was what happens in my brain when i try to sleep actually like you nailed it i'm like laying down to sleep and that's all i hear that scream (laughs) echoing between my ears over and over and then i just explode i just you know (laughs) beside my partner in bed he's like oh i got brain matter on me again okay and then he puts me back together and then i still just keep hearing the screaming it never ends (laughs) no amount of earplugs that britney puts in nope or no. headphones or meditative music. I try all of them, often at the same time. <laughs> Soothing rain sounds on the windowsill. <laughs> it's never worked. I lay there awake hearing <laughs> for hours. No, but honestly, like poor, poor, poor Brittany and poor so many of you listeners and poor me, not as poor as Brittany. This is Brittany's episode. We talk about Brittany's suffering, Brittany's pain points. This is all about Brittany. Poor Brittany. <laughs> has a really, really hard time with stress. We have an appointment with a doctor for Brittany in September. Yeah. And we're going to talk to the doctor about Brittany's progesterone and Brittany's screams that she hears eternally in her head Mm -hmm. while she tries to sleep. Yeah. Some people count sheep. Some people count screams. I do. But it's just like one long screen. So Brittany's just counting like one. (laughs) And the breaths in between (laughs) for an added little spice, you know? So there's one more thing that we want to mention in relation to progesterone, which I feel like we've been talking about a lot. That's because progesterone is so important. But we forgot to mention this in episode one. Yeah, we probably got distracted because of the story of your cats rubbing their faces on your underwear. Possibly. (laughs) Which is actually a totally normal thing, but I had to take a dig at you, so... So we just wanted to mention quickly that in part one, we were talking about, you know, how ovulation is really important and the sign of a healthy menstrual cycle and how can we know if we're ovulating. And we wanted to point out that some signs that your progesterone might be low is if you are having a menstrual cycle like I have. I've been having this fabulous menstrual cycle for the past three long years where my luteal phase is only seven days long because my period is coming on day 21 of my cycle, seven days after I ovulate. So remember, the luteal phase is the days between our ovulation and period. The phase after the ovary makes the corpus luteum when it ovulates. Something we both desperately want. (laughs) Where do I get ovulation? How do I purchase it? Ovulation, please. 
So typically, our luteal phase is 10 to 14 days long, but it cannot, interestingly enough, be more than 16 days if you're not pregnant. So your luteal phase has a cap to it. There's a maximum amount of days that can be your luteal phase. A healthy luteal phase is at least 11 days long. So I am four days short, la la la, which I hate. I hate the new frequency of Red Dragon. After losing my ovary, like, Red Dragon's like, hey, I love being around Amy. I'm going to hang around you a lot more now. I'm my just gonna visits are going to be more close early. together. Mm, it's going to be great. So instead of having, I have my period every four weeks. Let's just say that's 12 times a year. Now I had them every three weeks. So that's about 17 periods that I had instead of 12. That's miserable. Five extra that's miserable. periods. So my short luteal phase can actually be a sign of low progesterone. And indeed, I have low progesterone. Ding, 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 right on the mark. Well, at least my body is telling me the truth and not like misleading me like, oh, your luteal phase is short. And then it's like, we want you to stop eating strawberries. I mean, it wants that too because strawberries (laughs) are really high in histamine. But at least this time my body's like indicating something accurately. Like I can like accurately see the signs. I'm like, ooh, short luteal phase, mm, low progesterone. And yes, that is right. Thank you, body, for giving me an indication of what's going on and like letting me figure it out. Or (laughs) you could be having a menstrual cycle like mine, which could indicate an anovulatory cycle. Anovulatory means no ovulation, meaning no progesterone. No progesterone. (laughs) So my cycle is heavy and long. Progesterone lightens bleeding, and if you don't have that, then your cycle is heavy and long. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's not. It's not at all. (laughs) So I will say it again. I really want that progesterone IV just straight into my bloodstream, please. PCOS can actually be a possible cause of anovulatory cycles, so hello. And also, so could perimenopause. (gasps) Oh my god, hello. Yeah. Two peas in a pod. And there can be other reasons why we might have an anovulatory cycle. Oh, wait. So let's say hello to the listeners who have different things. Hello. 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 How Disney princess can we get with it? <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Oh, hi. <laughs> whoa, Snow White. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> And there can be other reasons why we have an anovulatory cycle. But some signs are, as Amy mentioned and is living, the short cycle under 21 days. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) And so every time I get blood in my underwear, I'm like, hello! (laughs) For me, it's a surprise because I never know when it's coming. Because for me, what I'm living is the long cycle. So a cycle longer than 35 days and 45 days for teenagers can be a sign of an anovulatory cycle. Like Amy mentioned, our luteal phase has a maximum of 16 days. So if we're having a long cycle, it's an indication of one of two things. One, that your follicular phase, which is the time between day one and ovulation, is really long. Your follicular phase doesn't have a fixed amount of time that it can be, so that could vary. Or two, a long cycle can mean you didn't ovulate, so you had no luteal phase just a really long follicular phase, and then an anovulatory bleed. Because if you don't ovulate, it's not technically your period, even though you may be bleeding. 
and that would be called breakthrough bleeding. Oh my God, Brittany, what day are you on right now? 55. <laughs> I mean, I'm bleeding, but it's say not like a period. Yeah, I'm like breakthrough bleeding for like 10 days now, but like day 55, no period. So. A lot of pads. I'm tired. <laughs> also, it could be a sign if you bleed for more than seven days during your period. When I have a period and not an anovulatory cycle, I can bleed for up to 10 days. So that can also be a sign. Ooh, I only bleed for four. Yeah. So, I, I mean, at least I feel like the short thing is working for me. Yeah. Not for the frequency of my cycle, but like for the length of my bleeding. It's like quick and to the point, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, I show up a lot, but I'm done in four days. Mine's long and drawn out. Like, you never know when I'm coming, <laughs> but I will stay for a long time. <laughs> I will overstay my welcome. By a lot. Can we just, like, combine our cycles? Then we'd have, like, the perfect period. Like, it would come in the middle. It would bleed for, like, four to like maybe, like, seven days. It'd be, like, perfect. All right. But if neither one of us are ovulating or having good ovulation, then... Oh. <laughs> good point. Yeah. But I like your thinking. But, like, we I need tried. to bring an ovulator up in here. Yeah. Do we have anybody who's a really regular ovulator? <laughs> Do we have anyone who's really rocking ovulation who's listening <laughs> Doing to a, a podcast? Doing a great job. Send us a DM over Gold at 16 Gold star years on your Endo. ovulation card. <laughs> <laughs> and here's something fun, or not so fun, that we learned is that it takes just over three months for the ovulation process to happen start to finish. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? I'm feeling confused. I thought <laughs> ovulation was like a day. I thought it was like a, like a boom, I'm out. Boom, the egg is out. I'll be honest, I don't really know where the egg goes. Well, you're like, going to learn. Our ovaries have follicles, which are like little sacs, and they each contain one egg. Oh, it's like a little egg in a basket. Yeah, flesh basket. Anyway, so kind of like that. And so they have to go on an epic 100-day journey in order to fully mature, and then ovulation happens. Wow. Only 100 days to fully mature? I mean, it took me like 30 years to mature, and I'm not even talking about fully. Definitely not. At this time. <laughs> Just like 30 years to not make the silly mistakes that I was making in my youth. Anyways, I'm also wondering, like, is it truly 100 days, you know, or can it be like 99 days or 101 days? Do you think they just said 100 days to give like an average? Feels satisfying, you know, nice round number. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, is the body About is it really like days. 100 days on the yeah, dot? It actually has a calendar. <laughs> Each follicle in their sack has a little calendar. That's how that works. <laughs> so basically, for the egg to fully mature over those three months, we need to be healthy and fully nourished. So if we're under a lot of stress this month, we may not see a period problem until 100 days later. Sneaky, sneaky. Yep. And rude. They say revenge is best served cold. <laughs> and well, apparently <laughs> ovulation <you're>... <laughs> serves it frigid. <laughs> Walk-in refrigerator cold. So your current period problems could indicate stress of the past, not this current month, but the last three months. So that helped me a lot in learning this because my stress 100% affects my period. And I've seen this enough yep. to know there is no question. <laughs> yep. It 100% affects it. But some months I'll have a terrible period and think, mm, I had a great month in terms of my anxiety and stress. What the heck happened? But then I look back two to three months. I had a huge project that I stressed out about or something was happening in my life. And I'm like, oh, I see. I see now. So you're saying is that stress 
can hurt our hormones in the moment, and it can also hurt our hormones even three months later. Thanks a lot, stress. You're welcome. (laughs) That's what stress sounds like in my head. Then cortisol pushes the grandma and runs away. (laughs) The grandma's holding a basket with an egg. Mm -hmm. And the grandma's like, I'm going to get to my refrigerator. (laughs) And then cortisol comes and just shoves the grandma. (laughs) Kicks it right in the knee. (laughs) Ooh, the basket or the grandma? The grandma. So she crumples, drops the egg. It rolls into the street. Gets run over by a Mack truck. Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. And then into the gutter it goes. And then a bunch of ants come and rats and gobble up the egg. And then you're like, hey, where's the egg here? I need my egg here. And three months later, you have an ovulatory in an cycle. ovulatory cycle. Yeah, that's what happens inside. <laughs> so the very last thing we want to mention about hormones, although there is so much more, but the last thing that we will mention today is that in order for your body to make pregnenolone, you need adequate thyroid hormone. Ooh, what does that have to do with hormones, Brittany? Well, remember that pregnenolone is the hormonal building blocks. Oh, yeah, I remember. So if you're having thyroid problems, this can affect your hormones. I just personally, my favorite thing ever, is I love that all the body systems just work together. And then if something goes wrong, they just all crash, like, simultaneously. Like, oh, thyroid problems? Oh, yeah, you're not going to have a good time with your hormones or your gut or your sleep. So you have a hormone problem? No sleep. You can't sleep. And here's your hormone problem, and it all just blows up at one time. One other thing we want to add about hormone health is that eating healthy fats is vital. As we said earlier, pregnenolone is the building block of our sex hormones. And cholesterol is one of the building blocks of pregnenolone. And cholesterol is also one of the building blocks of our thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. So if we want our sex hormones and thyroid hormones, we need cholesterol. Ooh, I want sex hormones and thyroid hormone. How do I get cholesterol? Should I just buy a tub of lard and then spoon it into my mouth? I don't think that's the best approach. (laughs) I would recommend eating healthy fats and incorporating them into your diet rather than sitting on the couch with a tub of lard. So incorporating healthy fats like olive oils, avocado oil, avocados, nuts and seeds, olives, And if you eat meat, then fatty fishes like salmon, tuna, sardines, mackerel, or trout. It's generally recommended to eat one to two tablespoons of fat at every meal to support your hormones. And it also keeps you fuller longer. So perk, perk. But, okay, I just want to say, wow, I'm screwed. Why do I feel like every time we hear about, like, these are things you can do to help your body, I'm just like, "Mm, I'm screwed. Does anyone else feel like that? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All the time. (laughs) That's why we're doing this podcast. Every single second. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's why my hormones are doing so bad. But I used to eat one of those healthy fats at every single meal. Like I loved avocados, especially avocado tacos. Mm. I would eat lots of seeds and nuts and coconuts, everything like coconut addiction over here. With my boyfriend, we used to make fatty fish tacos, which just sounds funny, but I just wanted to Since she said it's fatty fish, I wanted to specify that. We did make the fatty fish, not just the fish, but we were really into the sardines. Use a specific fish. Well, we were really into the sardines and the mackerel and the trout and the smoked salmon. So, yeah, we would get it canned. It would all be smoked. It would be like smoked fish. Then we would chop up onions and peppers, and then we put it in corn tacos, and it was yummy. Oh, that sounds good. It was. But now I can't have it. No, R.I.P. fish tacos. Basically, fish tacos. okay, I just want to say, like, every single item that Brittany mentioned gives me a flare. Every single 
one. So now my body's like, healthy fats, don't come near me. And I'm like, well, that's not good because we need healthy fats. I literally need them. (laughs) They're vital to my hormone health. But luckily, after treating SIBO and two years of work, I have been able to reintroduce. I can have one nut a day. That's right. (laughs) But not almonds. It's a big improvement. Okay. (laughs) I can have a Brazil nut or one cashew or one walnut. And I can have a spoonful of coconut milk. And I can have half an avocado, but not all in the same day. And I cannot have fish. That is just like too much histamine. But I got a little bit back and I feel proud. Just want to give myself a pat on the back for introducing foods. It took a long time to get there. You should. It's nice when you can introduce foods that you had to restrict back into your diet. And I think that there are foods that we will not always be able to introduce back in. And maybe there are foods that we won't want to introduce back in. Like, for example, I cut out sugar. I still can't tolerate it, but even if I could, I wouldn't bring it back because, like, it's just not serving a good purpose for my body. But, like, in terms of healthy fats, like, yeah, I want to bring those back. Like, I didn't cut them out because I want to be low fat or something. I I didn't even cut them out as, like, a food group. Like, I'm cutting out healthy fats. It just happened to be that all these foods that are high in histamine also happen to be healthy fats. So it was really important to me to get those foods back. Okay, so I want to give Brittany a little bit of a pep talk over here because she seems really upset. Like, she's been really just, like, upset the whole time. Tell that to my cortisol. Okay, um, I'm scared and I'm going to slowly step away from Brittany while giving her I'm going to cortisol loud. You wouldn't like me when I'm stressed. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to lock the door. Okay, you can leave me. (laughs) And then when she comes at me with a baseball hat, I'm going to run her over like her egg was run over by the Mack truck. It's a blow-up baseball bat, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> when you hit with it, it makes a little <laughs> sound. <laughs> it, it's cartoon. It's a it's pinata okay. and then candy comes Ooh, out. yummy. <laughs> in the shape of eggs. Oh, <laughs> that was hurtful. <laughs> so I want to give a little bit of a pep talk to Brittany, and I've been saving it to give live during this episode because I feel that it could be in the benefit for everyone. And recently I have just like not wanted to talk unless I've been live in front of the microphone. My ego is expanding. I see how it is. I'm just a content farm for The ratings her. are going to my head. <laughs> just a content farm. That's okay. I understand. At least you're good for something. Not ovulation, no. but content, yes. <laughs> Not sleep. <laughs> Not a good gut, but content. So basically what I want Brittany to know, and what I would like all of you listening to know too, who are, I know most of you, if not all of you, are having hormone problems as well. So... What I want to say is that hormone problems are hell. Some of us are in the hormone jungle, and some of us are in the hormone tundra, and some of us are in the hormone outer space, and some of us are getting our eggs run over by Mack trucks, and some of us are getting ants eating our eggs. And basically, we're all just a big, huge mess when it comes to hormones, and it sucks really bad. But there are things that we can do in terms of lifestyle and nutrition and supplements. Saying this right now, as we, as we said at the beginning, like, Even if you do all of these things perfectly, which perfect doesn't exist, but even if you do all of these things and you're really dedicated and committed to your health and committed to your hormone health and committed to that 100-day epic journey that your eggs go on in order to ovulate, doing everything quote-unquote right or doing everything that the body could need, it may not solve all of your problems, okay? So we're going to put that out there right there that let's not pressure ourselves. Let's not put that burden on ourselves that, you know, we're going to solve our hormone problems. And if we don't solve it, it's because we're not doing something well enough or we're not making enough of an effort because we are making an effort and we are doing a good job. 
But hormone problems are tricky and the body is tricky. And we've seen that everything is interwoven together and like, oh, you have a gut problem? Boom, hormone havoc. Oh, you didn't sleep? Boom, hormone havoc. So let's not put pressure on ourselves. But my pep talk, which doesn't seem like a pep talk until now, but the pep talk is coming. And the pep talk is that let's not give up on ourselves. Let's not lose hope that we can improve our hormone health because there are things that we can do that make a difference in our hormones and how they behave or better yet, how they misbehave. And there's so much information out there about our hormones and we literally just scratched the surface. There are also doctors that, you know, we can work with one-on-one that can give us individualistic care. There's always hormone replacement therapy if we've lost our ovaries or an ovary or we're in perimenopause, or we're in menopause, we're going to do a whole two-part episode on hormone replacement therapy in a few weeks. But hormones are these really, really mysterious things to so many of us. And I feel like for me, like for so long, all I knew is that like I have hormones, they're annoying, they're uncontrollable, I can't get a handle on them, and they make me suffer. And definitely ovarian hormones are woefully under-researched as are all things related to the health of people assigned female at birth. So having hormone problems is overwhelming. It is exhausting. It is sometimes mysterious. It is physically and emotionally draining, but it's not hopeless. And it can take time to figure out what works for us, even if we are working with a doctor one-to-one, or whether we're doing trial and research or reading books or looking at doctor's websites. It can be hard to figure out what works for us. So. Brittany, I know that you've been having a really hard time with your period. Yay. Not yay. And you're likely PCOS. Yay. Not yay. And I'm sure that many listeners are also having a hard time. I know I'm having a hard time, but I just want you to take it day by day. And I don't want you to give up. And I want you to keep trying. And I just really, really want you to believe that there's hope that you can see an improvement once you figure out what your body needs, which is different for everyone. My body needs progesterone and magnesium and vitamin B6. You know, Brittany might need magnesium and zinc and someone else might need something else. But there are things that we can do. And hopefully, you know, this series has just given you a little bit more knowledge about hormones. We're not going to pretend to give you like a lot of knowledge because There's so much more information out there, but we hope that it just gave you a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of hope that hormones can be supported and tamed. (laughs) They can be supported and your hormone health can improve and the way that you feel overall can improve. I feel a little bit more pepped. Thank you. You don't sound pepped, but whatever. (laughs) It's really hard and I'm really tired. I know. So I'm really pepped. Thank you. Oh, my God. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I am so pepped. Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, Hope. Hello. (laughs) Okay. Whoa. Oh, Now you you. sound like an Instagram influencer, and I don't think I can unsee that. (laughs) Oh, my God. You can do so much to help your hormones. Like, don't you have any idea? There's just so many things you can do. Supplements. Kale Oh, yeah. Oh my god. Rubbing turmeric love, on your teeth. Oh, I love a good kale enema. It's just so <laughs> refreshing. Nice to the butthole, really. Soothing. Oh, wonderful. I feel pepped by the thought of a kale enema, I guess. 
<laughs> there's just so much that you can do. And if you're not doing it, then that's why you feel like crap and you should oh. feel really guilty and oh. you should totally blame yourself. Oh. Just kidding. That is the absolute last, opposite. Last vibe <laughs> that we want to give out. Yes. So there is hope, but we're not here thinking like, yeah, if you do all these things, you're going to feel super better. We hope you're going to feel super better. There's a lot of trial and error involved. But you may not feel super better, but hopefully you can feel a little bit better. And a lot of times when we feel really, really awful, which I know most of us feel on a daily basis, even just a 10% improvement is like, wow, <laughs> thank you. That's why I'm willing to try because even 1% can be the tipping scale for the rest of the domino effect in our bodies. You know, and especially if you're feeling really bad in like your hormones are making you feel bad, your gut health is making you feel bad, your lack of sleep is making you feel bad, your endo is making you feel bad. Even if you can get a 10% improvement in all these different areas of your life, you may be able to find that in a few months or in a few years, you feel drastically different than you felt. And I would say it's been three years since I lost my ovary in excision surgery, and I feel like I am just starting to feel better with my hormones. And it's been three years that I've been trying things and working with a doctor, but I finally feel like I've tamed my one remaining ovary, and I've tamed my hormones. Not tamed, but I've supported, and they're not doing all the things that I want. Like I said, my cycle's short, you know, my luteal phase is short, my progesterone is low, but like I finally got to handle my hot flashes and my insomnia. So it's hard work, but step by step every day. And hopefully one day we can just be like, oh, wow, wow, there's actually been improvement. So that's what we hope for Brittany. And that's what we hope for all of you. We want to thank you for listening to our hormone series. And we hope it's been somewhat helpful to you. We are going to have episodes coming up fairly soon on hormone replacement therapy. So Stay tuned for that. For now, we want to leave you with a question. What's the longest and shortest cycle you've ever had? Are you like Amy with her dragon visiting her every 21 days? Or are you like me who is on day 55 without a period but has been breakthrough bleeding for 14 days? Wow, let us know whose fun you're having. Amy's yeah. fun or Brittany's fun or your own fun. Yeah, please share. Maybe you're in your own fun little world where you've been spotting for three months straight. If so, we we are sorry. <laughs> Whatever your period problems are, we are sorry that you are having them because period problems are awful. The worst. They are absolutely awful. And bleeding for a prolonged period of time, I mean, even bleeding during your period, you know, for four to seven days, but it's hard to do. It is hard to bleed and it is hard. Brittany's been spotting for two weeks and that is really hard. And it is just, you know, some of us are bleeding for prolonged periods of time for months. I'm very sore and sensitive in my vaginal area. <laughs> Lots of pads and tampons and cups and things are sore and they hurt and it really hurts to bleed for that long. So wine glasses, bowls, <laughs> anything to catch the blood. <laughs> She just free bleed, honestly. <laughs> Brittany just free bleeds over a wine glass. Yeah, I should, you know. <laughs> it's good for the glutes to just crouch there, squat constantly. <laughs> so let us know if you like to bleed into wine glasses. We are on Instagram at in16yearsofendo, and we are on the website in16years.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.